This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to a very thrilling and very thrilled SkyU podcast. I am U Street and with me today to celebrate uh, the Gophers' first road win in the Big Ten Conference over the Ohio State Buckeyes, we have Andy, GopherGuy05. I'm just trying to determine whether I should change my name to Marcus or Carr. What sounds better? You know, honestly, it's, it's hard to go wrong. Steve, do you have a thought? Uh, you know, I think if we all just change our name to Marcus Carr for the next week and a half, we'll get a lot done. All right, so uh, that, by the way, is Steve Zips of Akron. We are going to dive right in to a game that just finished as we began recording this. Uh, the Gophers defeated the Ohio State Buckeyes, or an Ohio State University, who admittedly I am now going to be a huge fan of for the rest of the season, 62-59. Marcus Carr hit a game-winning three-pointer with a little over three seconds left. Steve, what was your general impression of this basketball game? Uh, as I am want to do because my... Uh... Twitter avatar is an unhappy gopher face. Uh, I need to be sold on the team before I start to predict, you know, wins and stuff like that. Uh, first five minutes, I was very excited. Uh, after halftime, I think I might have uh, almost wanted to turn the TV off because they were down by nine points. And then by the end of the game, you're jumping out of your, or jumping out of your seat, off your couch, screaming, um, screaming in joy. So we really hit all the emotions, which is generally what happens in any sort of gopher sporting event. Um, it was a weird one. I like, you know, obviously you like the end result. You like to see Marcus Carr score 21 points. Um, we saw Daniel Oturu get shut down for the first half in the second consecutive game. Uh, maybe you and I can talk about whether the book is out on him uh, at this point, if there needs to be some more adjustments. And then, of course, Richard Pitino. Awesome. Second half adjustments. Uh, I think, I can't remember what Ohio State shot in the second half, but it was uh, not very good, and that showed in the final line. It was a great game. I believe the technical term for Ohio State in the second half was bad. Treacherous. Andy, what was your general recap? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I only really watched the second half as dealing with the kids and stuff in the first half. But, uh, you know, it, it looked like the Gophers got baskets when they needed baskets, and, and they kept Ohio State um, from scoring. And, yeah, they had a couple of uh, plays and, and things like that. And as we were talking a little bit in Slack chat, it's it's amazing how – how Caleb Wesson could basically set a moving screen every single Buckeye possession and never get called on it. So the Gophers were fighting through that and dealing with that as well. But uh, they battled tough. They they did what they needed to do. Marcus Carr made a couple of big plays down the stretch. Um, you know, I, I saw several places on, on Twitter that Richard Pertino is getting praise for letting his players make a play there in that last possession, not taking... Uh, not taking a timeout and trying to draw up something, but let Marcus Carr, you know, 
run the floor and I end up making the game winning shot rather than, uh, you know, trying to design something for him or for Arturo. But, um, no, it's a big win. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. These days, any Big Ten road win is a big win, but this one's even bigger against a team that still, even though they've now lost, I think, something like six of their last eight or something like that. Um, but it's still a team that was, you know, ranked pretty highly in the in the metrics in the net and in Ken Palm and things like that. And so um, it's it's a team that, assuming they don't completely fade away here the last six weeks of the regular season, will be uh, a good uh, Tier 1 Big Ten road win on the Gophers uh, sheet as we get closer to March. And, you know, you never want to say one game makes a difference in the season, but maybe getting this big road win may be the, the game that keeps the Gophers uh, off of the bubble and in the field come early March. Absolutely. To be fair to Caleb Wesson, while I do strongly agree with my colleague's assessment of the moving screens from Caleb Wesson, he is a fantastic player, very physical, definitely shut down Daniel Otero in the first half. I want to discuss a little bit about two points that were made by my colleagues here. The first one was Richard Pitino's second half adjustments, because one of the things that is consistently said about Richard Pitino, and sometimes it is plenty justified, often my view is it's not is that he's very bad at in-game coaching or he doesn't do things or some magical thing. Mike Malone, back in the day, after a game was asked, what was the reason why his team didn't win, basically? One of those talk about questions. And the talk about question was, talk about why you weren't able to make adjustments. And Malone's response, the NBA coach, was, you know, sometimes players just miss shots. It doesn't mean that we didn't make adjustments. It's just sometimes players miss shots. In this game, I think you saw two very clear adjustments from Richard Pitino. The first one was a recognition in the second half that Minnesota had to get to the basket. And so because Ohio State was face guarding and really aggressively hedging, against any ball screen, especially high ball screens with Oturo and Carr to force Carr horizontally. Caleb Wesson did a very good job of this. Uh, his brother did a very good job of this. Kyle Young did a very good job of this, sort of making the team uncomfortable. But what that opened up was if you could get a quick reversal, there was driving lanes. And that was something in the second half they did exceedingly well. Uh, it's part of the reason why I think they ended up winning this game. The second difference was, as also mentioned, uh, Ohio State did not shoot very well in the second half, and that was entirely due to Minnesota's ability to defend uh, for a good solid 20 minutes. Ohio State, I think, did a better job in the first half of defending. I mean, they were really physical. They kept Oturo out of the paint and made him uncomfortable. In the second half, Patino got him looks. But on the other hand, Caleb Wesson had, like, what, two points in this game? That's an absolute win. Ohio State had a lot of driving lanes in the first half. DJ Carton played very well in the first half. Dwayne Washington did a good job in the first half. And in the second half, those were mostly not there. And that's something that if you are a fan of Minnesota should make you very excited because one of the things that's been challenging for this team over, especially in the losses on the road, is just an inability to get a defensive stop when they need to. And in this game, that was absolutely not the case. Steve, coming back to your question as to whether or not the book is out on Daniel Oturo, I'm actually curious as to what you think of the Isaiah Enan experience, which we got for five minutes. Uh, my general view is that Daniel Oturo is absolutely going to get his, but if he doesn't have a partner down on the four who can either space the floor, which 
uh, Enan could do theoretically and Demir can when he's hitting shots, then it's kind of hard to get a whole lot done on the block. And Omersa, unfortunately, does not yet have an offensive game to do so. What do you feel? Yeah, I think we're really feeling in this game, maybe it's the last two games actually, where we're really feeling the absence of a guy like Eric Curry who could take some of the load off and just be competent down on the other block. Um, to be fair, Oturo's been doing this now for, I don't know, total games the Gophers have played, 19 games. Um, he's been doing it every single game, and I guess if we put two two bad halves in, in back-to-back games, you can um, you can chalk that up to just being a couple of bad halves, I guess. But um, and, and, and also him being able to come back and battle back in the second half should speak to uh, just his overall dominance at the position. Um, yes, you do want a second player to offload some of that stress. Um, seeing seeing Isaiah Enan come in for five minutes was great to see him get a bucket, um, score a couple of points. I think we saw how raw he is defensively. He missed a couple of assignments, and I think that's probably why he only played for five minutes to begin with. Um, Jarvis Omersa always has my favorites, and I put those in, in quotation marks, air quotes, my favorite stat lines where he... Uh, scores zero points, shoots zero shots, grabs a couple of rebounds, has a couple of fouls, all in the span of 15 minutes. So he really packs in um, packs in the excitement. What are they going to do long term? I think uh, Alejandro Demir has done a great job um, evolving at that position. Uh, he's not the physical force by any means that a Curry or an Otura would be down there, but he does just enough to keep things going and scores enough points. And I love his old man game and have come to appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, but I think he's exactly what the Gophers have needed him to be as a fifth-year grad transfer. Is he a stand-in physically for an Eric Curry? Probably not, um, but it looks like if they got to this point by being able to knock off Ohio State a couple of times, hang with Purdue, um, and beat Penn State and Michigan, maybe we're onto something, just enough to, to get to the postseason. But I think we're definitely feeling, feeling the lack of size down low. Maybe teams, teams are starting to key into that and force people like Demir and Omersa and eventually maybe Isaiah Enan uh, to beat them and just make sure Oturu is not the guy beating you. I suspect another reason why I strongly agree with lots of that, that a way that you're going to stop Daniel Oturo is if you can keep him very far away from the glass. What Rutgers did in the first half and what Ohio State definitely did in the first half was force Oturo to catch the ball at roughly like 18 feet and then pack the paint. Oturo definitely can dribble, he can drive the ball, but I certainly would not call him a ball handler by any means. And if you're able to successfully do that, then yeah, I think it'll be a little bit harder for Daniel Oturo to get points. Also, he shot a bunch of threes and missed all of them. I think if Oturu is able to hit that shot, I don't know, 33%, basically, so one out of every three, which he's not there yet, that would probably also open up some holes. Uh, A player who is really able to drive, and we did not really touch on because he was such a superstar that we opened it, is why we've all changed our names to Marcus Carr. Carr had a fantastic game. Andy, uh, one of the things that I think has happened a lot with watching this Gopher team this year is that Marcus Carr has emerged as the most important player, in part because Daniel Oturo has been playing at an absolutely stratospheric level, but the Gophers really need a second option. When you watch this game for Carr, did you see someone who you feel like this is a guy who we think could really carry us into a postseason? Well, 100%. If he plays like he has the last few weeks, I mean, Marcus Carr, you know, I think we were grumbling about him a little bit earlier in the non-conference season, and I think a lot of that was just getting used to this personnel, you know. I mean, obviously he had been practicing a little bit, but he didn't play all of last season, so it was just trying to get him back into game shape. 
now that he's in game shape, he's been arguably, you know, the 1B to Oturu's 1A the last couple of weeks here in the Big Ten schedule. Um, you know, Oturu's had a little bit of a, a tough time against some of these bigger bodies. Rutgers shut him down, and, and Wesson, while not uh, an offensive threat this game, did a really good job defensively on Oturu, as he said. You know, he was over 3 from 3 and ended up with just 11 points, 6 rebounds. But, I mean, just Marcus Carr's overall game. Not only did Carr lead the team in points with 21, he led the team in rebounds with 7, he led the team in assists with two. Now, we could talk about how two assists led the team. Um, that's another discussion for another day. In fact, the Gophers only had eight assists as a, on the entire team. Um, but they also also had four turnovers the entire game, uh, Carr with just one of them in 36 minutes. So, um, you know, he's doing everything you want your point guard to do. He's distributing. He's scoring. He's getting you the bonus rebounds. I mean... Um, Carr was three for five from beyond the arc today. So if he's hitting, you know, if he's hitting fifty percent from behind three, that's always a good sign. Uh, along to go with his his dribble penetration, that that uh, layup he had uh, to tie the game at fifty nine, I think, was a really nice play on on his part. And um, so yeah, if if Carr can keep playing at these role this role uh, at this level. Um, you know, Minnesota legitimately has two scoring threats every single game. Um, now, if you can get the Peyton Willis and the Gabe Kalsher's shots to fall, and if you can, you know, for in a limited role, you get either uh, Elhan Demir or Trey Williams to, to even step in. You know, this team has legitimately three to five scorers who can put the ball in the hoop on a nightly basis, depending upon who you're facing with opposing personnel. So, um, I do think the Gophers are in good shape, but you know, as 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 Steve and as as Street can talk to about here, uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier moving forward. So, uh, the Gophers, if they're going to want to make a run here, are still going to have to beat some really good teams coming up. Yeah, that's true. And absolutely, I was going to say um, they've got eleven games remaining, and we're getting to that point of the season now where you can look towards the end of the season and start to say, what do we need to do to get this team into the postseason? Um, we're in a arguably the toughest stretch of the year for the Gophers where they are coming off two road wins then they have to face Michigan state at home. Then they have to go on the road to a top 25 Illinois team. Um, when we first got away from home after the Michigan and Penn state wins, we, we looked at this four this four game set saying, boy, it'd be really nice to win one of these games. It'd be amazing to win two of these games. And if they can, they can do that, they can be in, be sitting pretty before, um, before things come back around and they get to have some more home games. So we got one out of the way in Ohio State, almost a treat, a gift. Um, beating Michigan State at home, who knows? Um, beating Illinois on the road, also who knows? But they got their one win out of this four-game set, and you know they're sitting at five and four in the conference. If we're all in agreement that they need ten conference wins to feel pretty safe going into Selection Sunday, that means five more games that they need to pick up in the conference. And they've got let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six home games left. Um, sounds like. A, a good opportunity for the Gophers to pack in those five wins um, and and feel pretty good going into the end of the season. However, let's look. At, if you look at the net rankings, if you're into the Q1, Q2, Q3 thing, um, all of their games for for the rest of the year, all of the 11 remaining games are Q1 opportunities, except for three, and one of those is a Q2 home game against Indiana, and all of the next five games are Q1 games. So I talked about this being the toughest stretch of the entire season. We're just getting into it. 
like I said, Michigan State at home, Illinois away, Wisconsin at home, Penn State away, Iowa at home. This is a gauntlet, and if the Gophers want to feel pretty good in the conference, that is one of the that is is probably the best in the nation. They really got their work cut out for them over the next few weeks. Absolutely, I admittedly still think that the magic number is five. Gophers are five and four, get to ten wins, but six will uh, should certainly feel as comfortable as you can feel for a bubble team and the gophers will continue to be on the bubble unless they really put down the hammer and have an incredible streak which i would love to see but i am slightly skeptical will in fact occur certainly having a third option as andy mentioned gabe kalsher first game in double digits in a while he had 13 points also hit three of seven from distance which is exactly what you want that kind of shooter to do that spaces the floor a little bit and minnesota finished 33 percent from distance which amazingly is an improvement on their usual road shooting which is miserable now you can pick up as steve mentioned basically all of those wins at home going forward which would be ideal Illinois is going to be without a important player who's been suspended, which is fantastic. I am 100% here for playing teams when they have players who are suspended. But I don't mean that makes the Illinois game any easier, but that is a at Illinois, so that is a road game, which would be an auto quad one, but a big quad one win because Illinois currently is a top 25 team. Were Minnesota to win their next two games, well, that would put them 7-4 in the conference. Uh, that would shape up nicely for the rest of the schedule. And I think the big thing looking forward, if you're thinking a little bit about the NCAA tournament, as my colleague mentioned, is basically every game the Gophers play from here on out is a quad one. They have an amazing opportunity from this schedule to differentiate themselves from potential other bubble teams simply by just winning a lot more quad one games because they have a lot of quad one opportunities right now because bafflingly ohio state is still a quad one game i exhibited at the top that i'm a huge ohio state fan for the rest of the season so that remains to be the case minnesota now has three uh, right that steve they got three quad ones i'll see yeah they got ohio state twice and they've got um who else penn state oh michigan too that's four so they have four quad four quad wins right now if we assume that the magic number is six, that's the possibility for 10 quad one opportunities on the season or 10 quad one wins and something like 16 or 17 opportunities of a quad one win. That's a ridiculous schedule, but really does bode uh, well were the Gophers to actually uh, turn the corner and continue to be successful. But till that point, we continue to revel in the wonders of a men's basketball team being successful. We are going to more or less ignore the women this week, uh, who did unfortunately lose to Wisconsin, uh, in part because I suspect that the women will not have a fantastic season for the rest of the year now that their best player has elected to transfer, and they already had massive depth problems at both the guards and the forward spots. But I would imagine that what you will likely see going forward is an awful lot of discussion related uh, to the new players getting in. Andy, is that your assessment? Yeah, you know, I think obviously um, we're, we're waiting to see the reinforcements come and they, it, a lot of those players won't play uh, till next year. Um, you know, Taye Bello did get back into action after missing the first half at Purdue where the Gophers finally did snap their losing streak last Sunday, uh, winning at Purdue. Um, Taye Bello came back and played the second half of that game and played the entire Wisconsin game. So it, it's good to have her back. Um, she 
probably you can make an argument now is the is the most important player on the team, just mainly because uh, the Gophers have zero other post depth, uh, and if she's not playing, what happens against Wisconsin, where uh, Amani Lewis absolutely destroyed the Gophers in the post? Um, you know, twenty three points, sixteen rebounds, ten of those offensive boards. Uh, there's not much, you know, it, they just have no post depth as we've discussed time and time again. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of the freshmen, Sarah Scalia, uh, Jasmine Russell. Those are the two players you're going to look forward to trying to make big roles and, and realize that in theory, uh, they're probably going to be running this team next year. Um, you know, you still get a, a an extra year out of a Godiva Lee, um, Godiva Hubbard, excuse me, who, uh, who, who got a red shirt after her injury last year, but um, this is going to be Scalia and Russell's team going forward probably, so to see them continue to develop here the last few games, um, it, it's going to take a miracle to, to get any postseason play for this team. Um, so you're just trying to basically do the best you can the last 10 games here down the stretch and, and get yourself geared up for next year, honestly. Yeah, not, uh, I mean, I suppose it's still mathematically possible, and of course they win the Big Ten tournament, but I don't actually see a path otherwise in order to make the NCAA tournament. A team that not only do we expect to make the NCAA tournament, we expect to contend for a national title uh, upcoming is the women's hockey team, which if I recall, Andy, has a reasonably big series coming up. Yep, the uh, the Gopher women's hockey team um, coming off of a, a weekend where uh, they... Uh, dropped their opener Friday night to Ohio State, number five Ohio State, four to one, and then came back and got a big two-one win on Hockey Day in Minnesota outside of Parade Stadium in Minneapolis. Um, so they were the number one ranked team in the country. They dropped back to number two, but they get a chance this weekend to flip that round again because they head to Madison, who to play the uh, number one ranked Badgers. Uh, Minnesota, if you remember back in November when Wisconsin was here, took a possible. Uh, excuse me, took. Five out of a possible six points from the Badgers, uh, getting a win on Friday night and then winning in the shootout with uh, Amy Potomac's crazy between-the-legs goal on Saturday to get the extra conference point. Um, So it'll be a huge series this weekend in Madison. Uh, Right now, the Badgers have a, uh, I believe, actually the Gophers technically still have the lead in the WCHA because Wisconsin was idle last week. But uh, legitimately, this weekend may determine the, the WCHA regular season championship. If, uh, if the teams split, uh, Minnesota's going to have a bit of an advantage. Um, if, if Wisconsin can get a sweep, you can pretty much put the title in the Badgers' hands. If Minnesota can come away with the majority of the points, you can pretty much give the Gophers the edge. Uh, Minnesota's only lost two games this season, both to Ohio State. So that's where you also get looking at seeding and things like that, um, where between the first and second seed, if you assume Ohio State will end up getting the number three seed in the WCHA, uh, you'd much rather have to not face them till potentially the championship game rather than the conference semifinals. Uh, so yeah, it will be a big weekend this weekend. I don't believe any of the games are on TV, unfortunately. Um, and you can pay the exorbitant streaming fee if you'd like, but... Um, It'll be a good opportunity for uh, the Gopher women to go in and try and get some points in Madison. They haven't had success in Madison in recent years, which is not really surprising. Uh, but hopefully they can and turn things around and, and get at least one big weekend, one big win this weekend and uh, kick it in gear for the rest of the regular season. Absolutely. I should mention that after tonight's win, this is the first win 
that Minnesota has had in Columbus in basketball since 2005. So anything is possible. Also, shout out to Mike Grimm, who has now called a basketball win in every single arena in the Big Ten, uh, which was something that Richard Pitino did mention in his post game. And with that, I thank you once again for joining us in the Sky U podcast. We'll have plenty of content on all of the things that we've mentioned on the dailygopher.com this week as well as next. Until next time, go Gophers, Sky U Ma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.